On this week's NFB SDN Reality Check, we'll talk with F5 about the shifting service orchestration landscape and UBQ on its view of the virtualization space. Thanks for joining us on this week's NFB SDN Reality Check. I'm your host, Dan Meyer, Editor-in-Chief of RCR Wireless News. Well, the, uh, one of the topics we want to touch on today is uh, service orchestration. Uh, obviously, when it comes to NFB and SDN in terms of tel the telecom space, uh, service or orchestration has uh, shown to be a pretty big topic in terms of how operators are going to start rolling out their services. Uh, obviously, uh, operators have their, their services already deployed right now, network services already working, and as they bring on virtualization, they're going to look to service orchestration to kind of tie these uh, legacy and new pieces together. Joining us today is uh, Frank Yu, who is the Senior Technical Marketing Manager at F5, to garner more insight into the importance and challenges facing NFB service orchestration for telecom operators. Hey, Frank, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate it. Thank you very much, Dan. Glad to be here. Great. Well, I guess obviously now the service orchestration aspect of, of NFB and SDN, uh, it's a big part of, like I said earlier, a, little, a big part of the telecom industry. Um, I guess, you know, as you guys look at uh, at, at this part of, of the deployment of, of NFB and SDN, what's your, I guess, what's F5's, F5's view on the importance of service orchestration uh, for, for telecoms in this, in this move towards virtualization? That's a very good question, Dan. Service orchestration is critical for NFB because when we start talking about NFB, initially we were talking about cost savings, CapEx and OpEx savings. But then as we started delving into what NFB really does, we started saying, no, really, the primary benefit of NFB is to really provide the elasticity and agility for your service networks, the ability to create on-demand scaling and the ability to add and remove services very efficiently. And to properly achieve this agility and elasticity, you have to have proper orchestration and management of these systems to make them work together. Interesting. You brought up a couple of good topics. Obviously, uh, obviously, the cost part of this and the uh, and the, the business model on, on NFB and uh, SDN deployments is still a bit, it seems like, in flux. And so, like you said, that's maybe perhaps not that shouldn't be the main focus, at least initially. But this elasticity of it, that is does seem to be kind of key. And obviously, with, with orchestration, that's going to be a big part of this because operators need to be able to uh, integrate these new services into their legacy operations and their OSS, BSS platforms and make sure that it all kind of ties together. So it does seem like that the service orchestration part of this is going to be a big uh, a big focus for the operators. I don't know if the people I've talked to, uh, it's definitely a big part of this. I know some analysts have mentioned that it could be a potential choke point at some point, because again, if, if these orchestration platforms aren't in place, uh, it could really uh, hinder uh, what operators can do when it comes to rolling out the, the, their virtualization movements or the virtualization operations. So I guess as we look at this space, Frank, I guess, you know, what challenges do you see in terms of bringing uh, these service orchestration platforms to the, to the telecom market? So this is interesting. Uh, the Really the primary challenge that I see, at least the initial challenge that I see in terms of bringing these orchestration models to market is that even though NFE has been defined, even though we have working groups, we do not have any standards today on what these interfaces are for the connectivity and for the orchestration models to work together. So if there are no standards, how can we develop NFB solutions today? We can't be NFB certified, we can't be NFB ready or NFB compliant today if we don't have standards. They are being worked on by individual groups. We're trying to get them together, but it's really a mishmash of trying to get these technologies together and get some sort of consensus on where they're going. That's definitely one of the first challenges. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. 
No, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say the second challenge is really now we have these legacy networks with this proprietary hardware in place today. And NFV is not going to replace the entire network for the foreseeable future, maybe not even forever. It's going to be a hybrid network model of proprietary hardware because of function, performance, other requirements, and this virtualized solution that we're talking about with NFV. These orchestration models need to be able to work these two components together, even though they have the same function, they are different in terms of capability and hardware. The orchestration model needs to see them as a unified platform, be able to integrate them seamlessly. Good points, good points. Obviously you mentioned that that standards issue, that's a huge part of me. I know Etsy is working pretty aggressively on trying to get the standards together. I know the industry, it seems like uh, there's lots of new working groups that have, that have popped up, you know, Open Daylight, OPNFV, uh, all these different ones that have popped up to try to target this. Does it seem like from your point of view that the market or the, that the vendors and the, and the community itself are working well enough together so I guess tackle that uh, that standards aspect of this, or is that going to be something that's going to hinder this for, for maybe some time? It's working well today for the most part, and mostly because we have this multi-vendor relationships in these different organizations. There are several communities out there that are working together in a multi-vendor environment. F5 obviously is working with quite a few of them, and we're trying to work with them as many as possible, but they do have different nuances to the way they do put things together. So that is going to be a challenge moving forward. And how do we get those standards established? It's going to take time. Is it going to become a de facto standard where one kind of dominates the marketplace? Or is it going to be a standard that's going to be really developed through these working groups and these standards bodies and organizations, TM Forum, IETF, et cetera, uh, 3GPP? We're not sure. But ultimately, somewhere down the road, those standards do need to converge. So yeah. what we have today is a solution where we can get things out of the box to actually show some proof of concepts and abilities, but ultimately we are going to have to migrate to some sort of consistency. Interesting, interesting. I guess on the timing of this, I mean, you kind of brought up the fact that, you know, for, for some time and maybe forever, operators are going to have to kind of operate these kind of dual networks where it's going to be the, the new virtualized networks, but also their legacy core networks, you know, whether it's the, the you know, the, the base stations and parts like that. I mean, I, I guess, do you see any sort of timing challenge on, on this? Because it does seem like that the operators are pushing pretty aggressively to start rolling out virtualization. I mean, I know AT&T has given some timeframes of what they want to do. Uh, Verizon's come out more recently with what their plans for virtualization are too. Does it seem like, I guess, the timing aspect of getting the vendor community, the ecosystem in place, is that, do you think, going to meet these, these I guess, timelines that the operators are looking for in deploying uh, these, virtualized, uh, these virtualized platforms of service orchestration? I think it's going to take some time. Obviously, what we're doing today is we're looking at individual POCs where we're trying to find specific use cases that we can implement an NFV-type architecture that we can just prove that there's value to this NFV architecture. And these use cases are very focused and they're very limited in terms of their capability and their impact and footprint on the core network. As we move forward, we're going to expand those use cases to broaden the reach into the core network so that eventually a lot of the core network will be virtualized. So we will have virtualized EPC plus virtualized IMS plus virtualized RAN, radio access, et cetera. But let's stay focused today, so let's stay limited. So there is a very limited impact and potential overlap with what you have to do with the legacy infrastructure. We're trying to play it as a fairly new out of the sandbox greenfield opportunity today with the POCs and then move forward and see how we can bleed that into the other parts of the network. 
Got it. Okay. Does it seem like from your point of view, I mean, obviously you mentioned the work that's going on with the different vendors in these different ecosystems, different communities. Does it seem like in general that the, that the ecosystem and the vendors are working relatively well together on this, on this process? Because it is going to take everybody working together on this because, you know, operators do look for a multi-vendor type of uh, ecosystem out there. Does it seem like from FI's point of view that this is, that everybody's being very cooperative in, in terms of working together on this process? This is one thing that's been really positive about NFE. NFE is such a large paradigm shift in terms of the concept of building your network architectures. And there's so much potential with this cloud-like technologies of agility and elasticity for NFE to bring to market in terms of these core networks and their designs that a lot of the competitive aspects of a lot of these vendors have started to break down. So where the vendors have been competitive in the past, now they're willing to work together. So FI is working on quite a few POCs where there are multiple vendors in the play, major system integrators, where in the past they were competitive, now we're starting to work together. Yeah, it's maybe a little bit of a challenge, but it is definitely coming together where we are starting to be a lot more cohesive and consistent in terms of working together and playing nicely. <laughs> that's, that's always good to hear too. I mean, obviously I, I know at least from the people I've spoken to with different vendors on this topic, it seems like at this point, it is very much, you know, not so much in the, in the C-level part of it. It's more like in the operations part of it. And it seems like in general, those people tend to not be super competitive with each other. I mean, it seems like there's a, definitely a cooperative nature or cooperative uh, uh, feeling about this. And that seems at least helping, at least in this initial process, uh, it does seem like the people involved are willing to work and not, you know, aren't, aren't looking at the name tags and who you work for so much. It's trying to work on these different solutions. But it seems like, like what you're saying too, that seems like a big part of this. People are willing to work together and, and that's important to really get this, uh, this process off the ground, it seems. And that, that's critical because definitely when we look at it, NFE, it has to be a multi-vendor environment. There have to be multiple players to provide the different pieces of the infrastructure. When we're talking about the NFEI for the platform, the VNS for different services, the management orchestration, it has to be a multi-vendor environment and the vendors have to work together and play nicely. And that's where we come back and bring this all back together where the standards have to be consistent between these different pieces and the vendors have to be able to work with each other and partner with each other really and truly because when we go into opportunities with the customers and we're working closely with the customers, we have to be able to come in with a unified message, unified front. We can't come in piecemeal and say, we're gonna provide this one piece of the NFE architecture and expect everybody else to do it independently. It's not gonna work out that way. Yeah, that's a good point. I was speaking with one of the carriers a little little while ago and they'd mentioned to me that, you know, if a vendor doesn't come to them with a, with a complete package of this or at least plans for a complete package when it comes to virtualization, uh, they're not gonna get very far into the door there. I mean, it seems like the operators really want someone who has a plan in place not just, hey, I can do this little part here or I do this little part here. You know, you have to have the partners involved and if you bring all that to the table, that seems to help the process along and at least get the vendors a little bit farther into the door at least when it comes to working with these telecom operators. Absolutely, and again, that's why it's important for us to create these relationships, have these communities. Today where we have the, and the communities are somewhat isolated, so we have pockets of these different communities with these different vendors working together. But you're starting to see a lot of functionality bleed and vendor bleed across these communities as well. I think F5 is a good example where we don't provide a lot of the core components necessary for the NFE infrastructure, but we provide a lot of functionality. So we're willing to work with, we want to work with as many communities as possible. So we're gonna to continue to see that cross bleeding. And again, once these standards and once NFE really starts to mature, you're gonna see everybody, I think, pretty much in a common ecosystem. Yeah, makes sense, makes sense. And obviously from the people I've talked to again on this topic, it seems like 2015 is gonna be a big year for all of this. 
Uh, I know we're still kind of in the POC stages right now, but it seems like uh, there's some some uh, people out there claiming that maybe by the end of the year, even we'll see some maybe even commercial deployments at a limited scale. Uh, so it seems like it'll be, it's going to be a very, very busy next uh, six to eight months for, for I'm sure F5 and all, all the companies out there. So uh, I'm sure it'll be good times for you guys and keeping you guys busy, I'm, I'm sure. So, Blade Frank, we definitely appreciate the insight today on the topic. Obviously, uh, something we're going to cover here quite a bit going forward, but we definitely appreciate your time today on, on talking about the NFV. Thanks so much. Thank you very much, Dan. I appreciate it. Great. All right. Well, I stay on the uh, NFV to SDN topic. Uh, I might want to, at this point, maybe do a quick plug. I know, uh, as I mentioned, I was talking to Frank there. Uh, we do have a new report coming out on service orchestration here in the next uh, next uh, few days. It should be out, I think, on Wednesday. Uh, and also, we're going to have a webinar next week, too, on it on Wednesday. So please uh, feel free to check it out. You can check it out on our website to register for that webinar looking at the service orchestration. Well, uh, again, uh, one of the things about NFV that we've noticed recently is that uh, some of the vendors are focusing on specific markets uh, when they're working with the carrier partners to deploy NFV, or at least initial POCs of NFV. Uh, one of those uh, markets has been the enterprise market, uh, as well as, uh, as uh, you know, some of the higher uh, stakes markets involved with, uh, with telecom operators. Uh, I recently spoke with uh, Nabel Suli, who's the CEO at UbiCube, uh, about, uh, those, about that topic, as well as some of the uh, challenges he sees in the business models when it comes to rolling out NFV. Uh, first, I asked Nabel why the uh, enterprise market has been the main focus for vendors. Uh, let's take a look at that enterprise clip here first. I think 90% of them is, is targeting that market. Absolutely, you're absolutely right. That's where it's going to start. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Because again, I think, in, you know, pragmatically, NFV is not a, you know, the thrust for NFV to happen, or for, let's call it generically, let's put it virtualization to happen in the networking environment. I think the thrust is not a architectural play. Mm -hmm. It is true when you read the press, when you read the hype, you feel that, oh, you know, new architectural paradigm. That's what's, you know, like people wake up in the morning sitting in a tablet and say, oh, you know, today <laughs> change the architecture. Why? Well, what's the drive for that? I think the thrust is fundamentally the appetite that those telcos have to provide more services, more value-added services, I should say, at a more cost-effective price point, price point to the enterprise market, which is, Bear in mind, the market, I believe, that has the money right now, because most of those telcos have saturated penetration in consumer. I mean, for Christ's sake, how much more can you take out of the average Joe in terms of monthly fee for TV channels, right? That's it. So the El Dorado is enterprise. You're absolutely right. I don't think it's an architectural play. I think it's cost optimization, but expanded services play. And one of the sweet, you know, uh, services suite that those guys are looking at adding is clearly the security, the security suite because there's, there's a reason why Orange has, in this particular offering, has a firewalling capability, right? Because security is appealing to the enterprise market. It's, it speaks volumes. They understand that. They know it's important and they know they cannot manage it. So they, they're ready to entrust a third party to do it for them. Granted, that third party has the credibility and so on and so forth. And the big names like Orange, uh, we, we also announced recently NTT. I mean, those kind of big names would have the credibility to provide those kind of services. So yes, I'm with you. Suli also provided some insight into the challenges facing telecom operators when it comes to making a business case for the deployment of virtualization. Let's take a look at the, the business model clip next, please. Point. I mean, there's a difference, you know, even if in, in, inside a telco, there's a difference between selling to your top management a project on the basis of it impacting your cost structure. 
if you want to sell on the basis of, you know, I have something that disruptive cost-wise in terms of what's going to cost us to provide service, well, first of all, let's be real here. I mean, those guys have huge workforce. So anything you claim is going to be disruptive, nothing is disruptive in the telecom world because those guys are not going to fire 10,000 people just because, you know, virtualization kicked in. So anybody selling on this basis, I mean, he's, in my opinion, smoking pipe because it's, it doesn't make any sense, right? Uh, the inertia is so big that those guys will take forever. The things that we see, the projects that, that stick and that really happen short term are the ones where internally the sale is made on the fact that, hey, you know, if we had this, we could be selling more services. We could be broadening our service portfolio uh, short term right now. That's the one that's going to get momentum, I think. And that's the, gun, that's the one that's going to basically, those are the type of projects that are going to basically break the ice and pave the way for, indeed, yeah, the future architectural revamp that will ultimately happen. But it has to start somewhere. And you're absolutely right. I mean, back to the enterprise space, clearly take the case of, of Orange. Uh, you know, if, if, if you look at the edge of the network and you look at all those services they can provide, and, and you look at it with, um, you know, and, and your mindset is, hey, you know, I want to be the killer app or the killer service provider in the sense that I want to be the one that provides the best customer experience. Well, if you put that focus on and if this, the, the, the technologies we're looking at right now helps that telco provide a better customer experience, then that's a winning use case. That's a use case that will stick and that's the use case that will get budget and that's the use case that they will spend money on and they will put their, and guess what? That's actually a use case that's not gonna be disruptive from an HR point of view. Very, very little so because it's not sold on cost reduction. It's, that's not the driver. Ultimately, there will be cost reduction, mm -hmm. but it's not the main driver. The other last point I'd like to make on the cost reduction piece, there are two ways to look at it. You know, either you look at it from, from a vendor selling, you know, slideware and a vision and, hey, you know, virtualization cost reduction. Beautiful. You're going to cut your workforce by 50%. Okay. Because my technology is so, <clears throat> well, that's one way to view things. But I, I don't think those large telcos will start running just because of that pitch. On the other hand, if structurally you change the name of the game in that industry, that industry is a technology-driven industry, right? So, so the service providers consume technology that they put together, they assemble that technology, and then they sell it uh, like a service to an enterprise community. So they have two cost components. There's the technology cost component and there's their HR cost component. Any vendor who's pitching on, you know, you're gonna reduce your HR and your OPEX, everybody says yes. Nobody does anything. But if on the other hand, you're selling on, hey, but guess what? Your vendor cost portion of your cost structure will dramatically drop. Why is that? Well, because you're going to keep everybody honest. Because here's the beauty about NFV. NFV, like the case of Orange, where they have virtual CP, enables them to slice and dice and pick and choose for every function, the best, in, the best of breed and the best price, and then stitch them together. If they can do that, if they reach that level of flexibility and freedom in assembling technology, well, then ultimately what's going to happen, they will have a bigger bargaining power and, you know, certain price points that are commanded by certain vendors will be dropped. So ultimately they will experience price reduction, but it's not the one we're thinking of. <laughs> from on the interview with uh, Nabil Suli from uh, UbiCube, uh, please check out the RCR TV site. 
Uh, we discussed more about uh, UBCube's uh, recent work on NFB with uh, operator Orange in France, also on how telecom operators are reacting differently to NFB and SD deployments, and also the inter interoperability challenges facing the industry that were also brought up earlier by Frank Yu from the F5. I definitely uh, recommend you check out the interview. It's a really good interview, uh, some great insights, uh, maybe even some controversial topics there from, uh, from the bill also on the topics, but I definitely check it out on the RCR TV site. Well, that'll do it for this week's NFB SDN Rally Check. Again, I want to thank our, my guest for today, Frank Yu from F5 and Nabil Suli from UBCube. And again, uh, we'll see you again here uh, next week. Telecom Careers, the number one global telecom and wireless job board. Telecomcareers.com. NFV SDN Reality Check with Dan Meyer is a production of RCR TV. To suggest show topics or to reach Dan, you can find him on email dmeyer at rcrwireless.com and on Twitter at Meyer underscore Dan. For more Dan, news on NFV SDN and everything wireless, find your way over to rcrwireless.com. <laughs>